My friends, what lays before you is the myriad knowledge of an unfathomable universe. Join our intrepid remembrancers as they explore the heresy as history. From deep within the farthest reaches of the great library of Tiska, we are the Heresy Grad School. So said the War Master in his wisdom. Go forth, my sons, and illuminate them. Hello and welcome to an episode of Heresy Grad School. I'm not exactly Pat, but my name is Jesse. I'm here today with Jason and David. How's it going, guys? Yeah, hey guys, this is Dave, and uh, Patrick is out on adventures in uh, parts that shall remain uh, unknown, but uh, Jesse is sort of taken over for Pat this week, and which is perfect because the, the ground that we want to cover is uh, very much uh, Jesse's territory, right? We're going to be talking about Book Nine and Crusade and... Something a little near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesse, you've been talking about um, book nine for a while, right? On the main cast, you guys have been covering sort of parts of it. Yeah, we've been covering the uh, the rules side of it. Uh, just wrapped up recently the recording for uh, the Dark Angel special rules. It took us four episodes to get through all of them, but uh, <laughs> it was a blast. It's really, wild, man. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, they just... They pulled out all the stops on this one. I think Forge World did a fantastic job from, you know, from the lore side all the way to the rules side, which I am sort of woefully inadequate, uh, inadequately equipped to discuss. But I mean, it just seems like well worth the wait, right? Um, overall, I'm very happy with this book and uh, I think it was worth the wait. Yeah, absolutely. So... Jesse, a couple things I wanted to talk about before we just dive in. Normally what we do on grad school is we do like a syllabus episode. So we give the listeners sort of an idea of where we're going with um, the series and the lore and everything and sort of give them a, a chance to sort of read along with us. And so I think for this series of grad school, what we want to do is really cover the Dark Angels in depth their background lore, the deep lore, which starts on page 82 mm -hmm. and it just keeps going. Right. So that's what we want to get into today. I don't know how far we're going to go. It will sort of just depend. Um, but before we get there, there's a couple things in crusade that I just, I, because where we left off with Nostromo, um, in heresy grad school, there's just a couple of things I want to touch on. Sure. Okay. So we talked about this, um, way back when we were first sort of, when, when book nine crusade dropped, I said, Oh my God, I need to be on <laughs> the main cast for <laughs> a very specific reason. And that is on page 10. Um, there's this beautiful map. I don't, Jesse, have you talked about this at all? No, we haven't. We've been uh, strictly on the crunch over on the main channel right now. So you guys are really just giving people the sort of the dissecting of the rules and mm -hmm. what they need to know to fully play the the Dark Angels as they were meant to be played. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. I mean, 
Yeah. And there's a lot there. I mean, I would, yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start. So, but for me, um, I open up book nine and I see on page 10, this beautiful map of the galaxy. Um, and it's, it's a map of the galaxy that we haven't really seen before. It's sort of, um, the rebellion Horus's heresy as it's sort of taking shape and moving out. But there's a sidebar on um, the red column on page 10 and you go all the way down and it says access recorded logged 067.m31, which is wild because <laughs> it's then got AK mm -hmm. stamped on it. So 067.m31 stamped AK. So I think as, as Pat and Jason and I went through the last sort of the scouring of Nostromo, which is um, really unique for its own reasons, very first person centric, very narrative, very in universe, right? All of these archives are being accessed by Alum Carpin, who is AK. And we know anecdotally that that is Alan Bly's sort of um, pseudonym character in universe. Um, allegedly, as yet to be confirmed, but I think we I think we have it. Yeah, well, <laughs> allegedly will yet to be confirmed, probably never to be confirmed as it should be. But um, so we see this timestamp of 067 way past the Siege of Terra way past the scouring. I mean, we're into the sort of the rebuilding phase of the Imperium, right? Yeah, because if it was sealed 15.M31, I mean, we're looking at, what, over 40 years after the Horus Heresy? Yeah, absolutely, right? So the, so the um, Divisio Militaris sealed all records after the Siege of Terra. They sealed everything. They said the public can't know, right? Like you were not allowed to know what actually happened. And they, so they start this sort of cleanse, uh, this like data cleanse, this sort of purge of actual history. And they start replacing it with, you know, the, you know, the history that, that makes sense to them, right? The history they want you to know. And so this is very much in keeping with the scouring of Nescramo's record logs because the very last entry, and we didn't get there in the last Heresy grad school, so this may be a bit of a spoiler, but I'm going to do it anyway. On page 144 of book six, um, there is an addendum to the log, and the timestamp is 063 dot m31 and it's from a far listening station um far listening station occludus way out in the eastern fringe where we are now right with thromus and nostromo it's a deep listening station and that's the timestamp. so only four years after what we have the timestamp here and so i mean it's like this is this is now, right? Like 
Because <laughs> right. when what book six came out, what book six came out about four years ago, didn't it? If not a little bit, maybe even a little bit longer. Yeah. I feel like maybe a little bit longer. That sounds right. Yeah, I think one of the things that's always been interesting to people that read the black books and sort of one of the things that's been interesting to me covering the heresy as history is where are we and when are we, right? Are these um, archives that are being uncovered, these testimonies that are being gathered, right? Are they, are they real time? And then what is real time? Where are we? Are we M40? Are we M41? Is this some inquisitor looking back, peeling through the archives? Or is this like, this is, this is AK, right? This is Alan Carpin. And we, I think we have a timestamp. And I think the timestamp is like M63 to M67. I mean, I think that's time now. And I, I just, when I this feel very history in, in quotation marks was written. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, when you read the first page of all the black books, I was there, you know, mm -hmm. I was there. I saw with eyes, you know, now blind, right? I was there. That's the AK timestamp, right? That was the mystery for so long, you know, but it makes sense because of, you know, we can go into this at great depth, but I <laughs> <laughs> would think we need to. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, that to me, that's, that's a sort of, um, that's a huge, um, I guess thumbs up for where we are now in terms of time now mm -hmm. in the black books. Another thing to mention, you know, there was rumors of, you know, how many more black books are there going to be? Are we coming to a close? This first chapter is all about basically Horus has the Imperium dead to rights at this. Like there's nothing but pretty much just doom and gloom for the first few pages setting the tone of where we're at in the Horus heresy. Yeah. Yeah. They're still telling the story, man. I mean, mm -hmm. there's still so much to be told, right? Yeah. And I, I love that. At this point, we still don't even know what's going to happen at the siege of Terra. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, there's, but that's, that's another story for another time too. There's a lot to be written, but I will say, um, Jesse, the last time we had you on, and this seems very uh, apropos and per perfect for where we are now, you were a guest lecturer on the grad school talking about the Dark Angels. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about. I was reading paragraphs from the book, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially all I do. It's Dave and Pat that do the real work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, that was a while back. It was. It was. It was the siege of Xana too, mm -hmm. and the Dark the, Sovereign. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. I mean, and, and it seems like it all links together, right? So here we are now with the deep lore of the Dark Angels, and and let's get into it, man. Jesse, you've read a lot about it, so I mean, first impressions. What do you think? So if I had to give a first impression of the origins of the Dark Angels, um, we'll cut to the uh, obvious stuff first. Definitely the test bed of the legions. Very brutal. I noticed some parallels. While it, they differentiate from the Thunder Warriors in the story, 
the absolute brutality of how they wage war is still a parallel to the Thunder Warriors from what I've seen in here. Like, no quarter, no mercy. There are all about one goal, one objective only, complete decimation of their target. And honestly, you could probably just sum up the Dark Angels with that, according to this book. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't seem to change. I mean, that is sort of their mandate, right? I mean, they start in the unification wars of Terra, um, literally rebuilding from the Age of Strife. And yeah, there's no quarter given. And some of the uh, enemies of, you could say, mankind, but really the enemies of, of unity, the enemies of the emperor probably don't deserve quarter, right? I mean, there's some <laughs> some bad guys out there. <laughs> I mean, all relatively speaking, but yes, definitely the techno-barbarians, warlords, absolute, effectively monsters, but that's all that Terra was at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I love this because it gets us back into the very beginning origins of the legions. I mean... There are parallels here that we will get into eventually because this is going to be a multi-series episode. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are parallels that the Thunder Warriors play a part in, right? You know, and this is where the Thunder Warriors couldn't go any further. Right. And why the need for the... Legionis Astartes project in the first place. And it wasn't just to conquer the galaxy. I mean, the emperor needed them to go out and conquer the galaxy, for, you know, for, as part of the great crusade. But I mean, that wasn't their test bed, you know? And uh, I mean, it's just, oh man, it just, it gives me chills, dude. It's so good. And, Jason, uh, what do you think? A uh, couple of things. Um, I love how many, like I know Forge World loves to hide itty bitty Easter eggs in the lore that touch on just stuff all over the place. Like just like you know how George Lucas loved to hide references to Dune in like a lot of Star Wars stuff? It feels like that, but just with so many other things like back in the history. Like uh the Emperor destroying uh the king of Akkad as one of the uh one of the first actions from the dark angels uh which was a real life dude uh sargon was the first uh ruler of ancient uh mesopotamia and i knew dave when you were talking about that map back on page 10 something that's like itty bitty and probably makes no difference to anybody except a couple of us and the dudes that wrote this uh, I had to look back through this, which is why it took me a while, because I had to reference some old Dan Abnett books. Over on the side there, uh, where under uh, Cartographica Tacticus, it lists Sable slash Black Clearance Required, Input Cipher. So I don't know how many people have read the really, really old school Gaunt's Ghost novels, but the entire uh, plot line of the very first Gaunt's Ghost book was a Vermilion-level coded secret that Gaunt came into possession of, and it ends up being, like, a huge deal. And I remembered him talking about clearance levels 
and the only one I could remember at the time it was Vermilion, but I was like, I pr I'm pretty sure I remember a, like a black or a set or some clearance level. Mm -hmm. So I had to hunt it down and find the exact passage. Uh, and this is where he's trying to figure out. Uh, Vermilion is like the absolute highest clearance level, but it's not the old color codes are not something in normal circulation in the quote unquote modern 40k guard. Uh, they use newer codes like Panther, Esquelus, Cryptox, and they, uh, the old color code levels, Cyan, Scarlet, it goes up, Magenta, Obsidian, and Vermilion. <laughs> so a, another pretty terrific uh, Dan Abnett book or series, the Eisenhorn Trilogy, Eisenhorn himself, like a veteran inquisitor in the Imperium, has a magenta level clearance. These are supposed to be like, you know, the near limitless authority figures, and he has magenta level clearance, one step below what I would assume Sable Obsidian Black clearance is, which is uh, what we see here, which is how AK has sealed this data set. And that took referencing across four different novels for me and a little bit more time than I'd like to admit just for that teeny teeny little nugget but I thought it was entertaining and <laughs> I uh, I wanted to share that now that's a cool little tidbit yeah no that's amazing Jason thank you for doing that because yeah I also only remembered Vermilion I mean from the Gaunt's Ghost and Eisenhorn series I, I thought that was um, like the top level clearance, but mm -hmm. it does speak to who AK is, right? And uh, sort of what his clearance level is and how he can access records and how he's also trying to, I think, be honest in, in an age that has in large part passed him by um, because he, you know, he was Malkador's sort of, um, disciple, yeah. yeah, assistant in some, right. Yeah. In some regards. Right. And so he had access to literally all of the intelligence, certainly all the intelligence that Malkador would share with him. And, uh, he was there when, oh, Jason, who you're going to have to help me out here, man, who the, the head astropath when she died, right. That was Lord of the Imperium. Oh gosh. Um, I'm trying to remember her name. I, I'm just rereading the original Horus trilogy with the wife, and I want to say Ing May Sing, but I know that's not it. No, it was it was a uh, it was an audio drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. for the life of me, I can't remember off the top of my head. That made people on the internet really mad. <laughs> I remember that vividly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this sort of speaks to who um, AK is looking back, right? And it's like, um, he was there, you know, with eyes not blind, and he saw all this, and now he's seeing the cover-up, right? He's seeing history being rewritten to suit the narrative of the new Imperium, right? The Imperium with an emperor absent the Imperium with an, with the Primarchs out hunting down the traitors, right? So this is very much an Imperium trying to rebuild itself, trying to recreate itself, but suppressing so much, suppressing all of the 
uh, like knowledge and data of, of demon incursions, the warp. I mean, they're just, I mean, it's almost tyrannical. Right. And so he's going, yeah, no, let's, let's, let me get after some of this shit. And he's probably the only one who's got clearance to do it. And uh, I mean, I just, I love that. I think that's such a cool uh, plot lore to get into some of these black books, man. Cause who else could do it? Right. Uh, that astropath's name is Sybil Nyasta. Mm, Sybil. Yeah. yeah. I had to look that up. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, no, no. Hard Definitely. Google foo here. <laughs> this episode of Heresy Grad School, a podcast of the Remembrancers Retreat, is made possible with the generous contributions of our patrons. Our Praetor tier, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Joe from Music City Heresy, Gardner.Tree of Woe, Mr. Baldwick, Matthew Boyce, Jacob Dillon, Nicholas Quenga, and Luke Rizzuto. Our Legion Centurions, Queen Corswain, M. Tanzer, Scott LeMay, Andrew N., Black Label Painting, The Original Applesauce, Angry Boy, and John Christensen. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, The Zoi, What Do I Call Myself, Nicholas Gillen, Aaron Maynard, Garrett Lowe, Duncan, and Emily O'Hare. Thank you all very much for your patronage, and if you enjoy our program and want to support us, go over to patreon.com forward slash rr30kpodcast. Thank you. So with that, uh, back to the Dark Angels. I'm just going to read the first paragraph here on uh, page 83. Uh, Stark and uncompromising, the Dark Angels were the first of the Emperor's legions and the truest to the mold from which the Legionis Astartes had been struck. They were killers of the purest and most refined kind, for whom there could be no other destiny but a lifetime of war and death in the name of the Imperium of Mankind. They did not build empires made no attempt to master the ways of peace or to subtle skills of the artist, craftsman, or diplomat. They offer no excuses for their nature and made no compromises in the pursuit of their assigned duty, shirking neither the price they paid in blood nor the price in infamy and solitude. Their greatest battles are to be found in no catalog of compliance or role of honor. No scholars or poets sing of the glories or remember those fallen in their prosecution. For they were fought against foes so monstrous that it was deemed necessary that all mention of them be erased from history. Such was the nature of their service, not only to be prosecutors of the Great Crusade, but also to serve as the Imperium's most potent bulwark against the unknown terrors that lurked in the dark between the stars. It's a pretty powerful uh, paragraph right there. And uh, one thing that poked out to me, that really has probably no bearing at all, but I noticed they mentioned halfway through, that they did not build empires, made no attempt to master the ways of peace or the subtle skills of the artist, craftsman, or diplomat. Which I find kind of interesting because in book six, there's a little side blurb from the Helic Epigraphia as incorporated into the Book of Arms of the First Legion. And it's, quote, The realm that divides its scholarly arts from its arts of war will have its thinking done by cowards and its fighting done by fools. So I feel like that might have been written maybe post-Caliban, perhaps, and incorporated a lot of the uh, knowledge and tomes of the orders that rolled into it. Two, that almost seems like it directly calls out other loyalist legions. Like, you may as well have just added, like, the Blood Angels, the Salamanders, and the Ultramarines. Like, with that statement, craftsmen, artificers, and diplomats. Yeah. <laughs> check, check, and check. Yeah, but the, the the first legion is also on a journey here, right? Like they're the first legion, 
and they don't have necessarily the latitude or the luxury of going out and sort of civilizing um, either Terra, the Terran enclaves, or the galaxy. And, um, and that's fair, because at this point, the whole galaxy is against you, for by and large. Like, you don't have time to learn diplomatic ways when you have Xenos species just trying to cut your throats apart. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it does, I mean, it sort of does beg the question, though, right? And it's, it's um, what is justified in the name of security, right? Not to draw too many like political analogies, right? But it's sort of speak. <laughs> I mean, it's the genre, right? The genre itself. But I mean, so this is this is um, might makes right, right? This is Machiavellian, right? So what do you justify in the name of species survival and security? And, I think that's the biggest question of the whole Warhammer franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's it. And that's... so the first Legion, I think goes out there with, with sort of the mandate that it, anything you do, any, any means to an end is justified as long as you put down a threat to mankind and or the emperor right and they never deviate from that path that i know of it certainly were early days here but oh, that yeah. is yeah yeah but yeah that first paragraph very powerful and sets the tone i think for this entire next chapter because it is basically all about uh, succinctly put the dark angels encounter just outrageous stuff just terrifying stuff that's so terrifying and scary that all records will be purged from it because they don't want to have anyone else coming behind them and just running away in terror. Well, yeah, and I think that also sort of begs the question of, you know, their accomplishments, right? Because they're never allowed to be known. So what did the First Legion actually accomplish, you know? Um, because literally sort of sequestered, sequestered, purged, sequestered, right? <laughs> like, unless you have black, sable, top-level clearance, I mean, you'll just, if you'll that, never know. I there's a good chance the Astartes yeah. just completely wiped everything. Yeah. Yeah, which which I think sets the First Legion apart, you know, in, in a lot of important ways. I think they were out there um, at the fringe doing things that were, you know, at the time, I mean, I mean, that was, that was, you know, it was, that was wild, right? It was the wild west. Yeah. I don't know. I want to hear what Jason has to say about this. Well, I'm a little bit biased. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, as far as loyalist legions go, the dark angels are probably my favorite because I really like, I love lore Easter eggs, and I feel like because they were the test bed for everything that came after them, and even to the point that they sort of allude to being used to wipe out the Thunder Warriors that didn't take the hint and just keel over uh, at the end of the Unification Wars, like, 
that sort of like drive and history and like just and i know like probably a dozen of the like cool story threads and stuff that we're going to discuss over the next couple of episodes we're never going to have any resolution it's like we get little teeny you know hints and maybe a paragraph on you know something that comes along later in the legion's history like uh, one of my favorite things reading through this was that little teeny box out on 83 uh, called The Unbegotten Father. Mm-hmm. So not only is that cool from a just a lore standpoint of like this mystery Astartes, I also think it's the f- it's like a linguistics sort of joke because uh, if you'll notice the first time uh, the dude pops up in the Imperial Palace archives. Uh, he's listed as Abrasax of the 14th Ghent Intake. Uh, and he never comes up again. The only other place uh, is during the Siege of the Imperial Palace, notes a warrior by the name of Abraxas Ghent, clad in unadorned power armor. So I looked this up because I knew the name was familiar. And what's super entertaining, I'm 90% sure that's an intentional Greco-Romani transliteration joke. Because um, the original uh, name was Abrasax. Uh, there, uh, and God knows any student of history is going to like be yelling at his iPod when he listens to this because I'm going to explain it very poorly. You can f- hear the knife sharpening right now. Right this very second. <laughs> um, but so it was engraved in many, many places, but... Uh, there are these little deals called Abraxas stones, uh, which were used as amulets or charms. The initial spelling was Abrasax, and uh, the spelling of Abraxas today probably originates in this kind of confusion with the Greek to Roman transliteration <laughs> between uh, Sigma and, oh, uh, what is it, um, ZXI? But uh, so that happens really commonly. So Abrasax to Abraxas in both real world and Horus Heresy history, which is very entertaining to me. Yeah, and into that little segment, I thought it was very interesting because it basically describes a proto-Astartes. Like, he's not even a full-blown yet. He's basically a testbed of the the specialized organs to be put in a Astartes. And the fact that he's still up around and kicking and fighting around and power armor that's unadorned at the imperial palace near the end i thought that was pretty interesting yeah because apparently he's just i mean we can kind of infer maybe a little bit that he's been hanging out with the custodies like guarding the inner sanctums of the imperial palace right because it's either them or the imperial fists and i have a feeling it's probably going to be with the custodians considering how um not esoteric but unique he is mm-hmm that does he's almost like the biological equivalent of all of the esoteric technology that the uh, custodians have yeah and i mentioned unique but according to the segment it does mention tens of thousands of subjects but i'd imagine pretty unique for surviving probably yeah he's the one that made it cuz you think we'd hear a whole lot more about proto astartes if they survived yeah <laughs> I mean, it didn't go too well. 
because the emperor was trying to recruit Astartes from a bunch of places he had just uh, bombarded with like atomic radiation missiles. <laughs> not a whole lot of uh, viable procreation going on in places like that. Probably not. Sorry, I'm doing really well for a uh, for a syllabus episode. We're just diving right into it. <laughs> oh yeah, all over the place. This is <laughs> this is how syllabus episodes go for like you know real life grad school. No, this awesome. is absolutely how it goes. Yeah, no, I think um, you know I think it speaks to a lot of the sort of proto Astartes origins, right? And that is these. These uh, these legions didn't just come from nowhere. There was a lot, and Jesse, we talked about this a little bit. There's a lot of parallels to Valdor. Um, if you guys want to know, you probably need to go read Valdor. Valdor is a great uh, companion novel to this lore. Definitely give it a chance, especially uh, yeah, the third act. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? I mean, the Emperor's experimenting. Um, he's a scientist as much as a psyker. Um, he, you know, he is doing the gene research and the sort of the genetic manipulation to create a stable, more stable form of superhuman, posthuman warrior. Because, right, the Thunder Warriors didn't quite work out. And so this unbegotten father, this Abraxas or Abras X Ghent from the first Ghent intake, um, you know, I mean, he's the one that made it. And so is he superior in some ways to the mass produced um, Legionis Astartes that follow, right? Is he superior in some, are the first produced Legionis Astartes superior in some way to the ones that follow that, right? Is there just a slow degradation as you go? Talking about the as, prototype yeah. of Stardis and stuff, and I don't know if you guys can either answer this question for me or not because I don't know the answer, but the origins of the Lucifer Blacks, are they from Terra? Yeah, they were one of the old 100. Uh, all of the original old 100 are yeah, from Terra. Yeah, I remember they were pretty damn viable and scary. Could they have potentially have some correlation to a prototype of Stardis? Or are they are there any anything we know along that line? I'm not sure. That's a question I would have to look much deeper into. They were during the unification wars worn down to the point they were no longer viable as an actual regiment anymore. Mm -hmm. But they were so experienced and effective by that point they were essentially parted out into little teeny groups and then used as like a independent force of almost like a secret service for like generals and high-ranking dignitaries. Right. Yeah, It just uh, came across on my mind like that because I could definitely see like assassins, not necessarily of the Legion or the Assassinorum or anything of that nature, but... So Jesse, I think as you go through book nine and we'll get there, but certainly the Dark Angels origin lore, the Emperor didn't have a lot to work with. I mean, we're talking about rad wastes and I mean, dude, drinking right. water was hard to come by, right? So, I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of subjects that are even viable for this type of genetic ex experimentation. So he's 
and that's part of what makes the first legion special it's part of what makes the dark angels what will become the dark angels special is that he's not um narrowing it down to a certain enclave right like the indo-pacific or you know um the eastern block or whatever right so he's he's just casting a wide net and saying look anybody that meets xyz criteria roll them up and we're throwing them into the, yep. the project the bottom of the middle paragraph of 83 uh, the diversity of their origins brought a wealth of disparate martial traditions into the fledging, fledgling legion. The dour infantry of the Francis plains and islands of Abia brought within the brutal coda that had conquered half of the ruined lands of Europa. The warriors of the far Analotic steppes, a skill at cavalry warfare. The berserkers of frozen Scandia, a murderous efficiency. And from a dozen other cultures, yet more of the arts of war. Like I said, Like you said, the legion was worldwide like it was an international <laughs> uh, uh, legion speaking of which before we get too far from abraxas uh <laughs> i looked this up because i was curious uh the 14th ghent uptake uh ghent is a city in belgium so that proto astartes is uh it's from the uh flemish region of belgium <laughs> and wait <laughs> Hang on a second, because I think Fabius Bile was from there too, isn't he? Is he? That would be hilarious. We'll have to read on that too. I thought he was from the region that was originally Belgium. Yeah. What's going on in Belgium in like the M30s? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Where do I want to go from here? Well, I think this has been a really good intro to where we're going. I mean... Uh... I think if you guys want to follow along with the next few episodes of Heresy Grad School, you should certainly read in book nine, starting on page 82, and just go from there, right? This is going to be a super easy syllabus episode. Uh, just read the Dark Angels lore in book nine. And um, and Valdor. And, yeah, and Valdor. And I don't Jesse, anything else? I mean, is there anything else? That you've um, as of right at? now, because the origins of the Legion aren't really from what I remember, aren't necessarily really covered as far as the Terran side of the Dark Angels. Hasn't really been touched upon other than really Valdor. Uh, when it comes to uh, the heresy novels, yeah. a lot of it takes place mostly on Caliban. And there's very few references to Terra or the Terran legions at that point. But I'll dig around. Um, One of the... um, uh, Go ahead. So... uh. Looking up the origins of Fabius Bile, uh, he is from <laughs> Ingolstadt in Bavaria. Oh, Bavaria, not Belgium. Excuse very, me. Very close. <laughs> Come on, I feel uh, like this is something you should know. You have a background in German history now, right? Yeah. About as... At least way far in front of the rest of us. Come on. Um, another short story that, now that I think about it, uh, that kind of shows the divide between Terran and Calbanite Dark Angels is a short story called The Lion. It's actually called The Call of the Lion. The Lion is a separate story. And I believe that's the one where uh, Astalan is uh, met with a upstart Calbanite knight who uh, joins their expedition and uh, things don't quite go as a plant. 
uh, that is a pretty exceptional one. Would highly recommend. But as far as that, yeah, uh, this is the start of our coverage on the Dark Angels. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K Podcast, Instagram at Remembrancers underscore Retreat. Want to support our podcast? Go over to patreon.com forward slash RR30K Podcast. Uh, we greatly appreciate everyone who signs up and becomes a patron. We'll be uh, launching some early access episodes and some exclusive episodes for you to enjoy here in the very near future. And with that, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? No, I'm pretty content. Uh, still working on a Coca-Cola sponsorship, but outside of that. <laughs> One of these days. One of these days. I was so close. No, all good here, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jesse, for doing this. Have a good episode, or have a good night. <laughs> have a good night. You have a good night. We'll have a good episode. <laughs> Until next time. Catch you later.